Welcome to Northern Nevada Green Living Podcast, where we support your quest for a happier, healthier, planet-friendly life that supports you, your family, and community. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a nonprofit resource supporting eco-conscious choices at the local level. GoGreenLocally.org is where you can connect to the Northern Nevada Online Green Hub to find or share with six different directories for local events, projects, groups, nonprofits, businesses, online resources, or promotions. Visit the Hub today to sign up for email subscriptions, where monthly we send you the list of local events and any local green promotions that have been shared in the directory. Events, whether they are virtual or in-person, are a great way to support your greener lifestyle and ways to make our communities more sustainable and eco-friendly. So today I'm speaking with Emanuela Heller-McNeelidge, who is a local farmer with Tiny Living Farm in the Reno area. She was born and raised in Germany, worked in the healthcare system in Germany and France. Emanuela moved to Reno in 2017 and now lives here with her husband and children. She and her family are now homesteading. She's raising her children, and she is very involved in various community ventures. She is the vice president of the Northern Nevada Beekeepers Association. She's working with the Edible Landscape Gardening Team at the Great Basin Food Co-op, and she's composting food scraps from the food co-op to feed farm animals and making great compost. She raises goats, bees, offers goat yoga classes, offers instruction and services on caring for bees, making goat dairy products, and produces and sells goat milk soap. Welcome to the show, Emanuela. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for having me. So I'm very excited to speak with you and learn more about all of the neat things that you're doing in the Reno area and how we can learn more from your wide base of experience. So what originally inspired you to get involved in all the work that you're doing now? Well, I think it was always a dream of mine to live a simple life that is very close to nature. And when I had the possibility a few years ago, when I had some time on hand and we, uh, we got some land here, I just decided to make my dream come true and try to live a little bit more close to nature and try to raise some animals and grow some of our own food and um, I really like it. So did you learn some of the skills that you have from Germany when you were uh, growing up or is this something that you've learned along the along the way? I grew up in a rural area in Germany but we only had a little garden there so most things that I know now and do now I acquired through reading and also watching other people do it on YouTube for example and um, I also try to network with people in Reno so for example with the beekeeping I am part of the Northern Nevada Beekeeping Association where there are great resources for people to learn how to take care of bees for example. Excellent. Excellent. Let's delve into a little bit about, so you help people with beekeeping. So when you work with your clients, what do you find that um, most people are surprised to learn in the beginning when they first get started with them? I think what most people are surprised about beekeeping is how interesting and how complex one entire hive, one single beehive can be. 
starting from the entire organization, uh, how a beehive is organized, how the um, bee queen is the mother of all the bees in that hive, and how the entire entity is organized to function so well, to survive harsh winters, to have enough food, etc. Uh, how this um, entity, the beehive, is just so complex and beautiful, and there's so much to learn and know about. I think that's what most people are surprised about beekeeping. So do you kind of teach people while you're also taking care of them so that people can kind of learn a little bit at a time, kind of like mentoring people, or is it just kind of vary from person to person? Um, I also teach. So when I have someone with me out with on their hives or when they come to my place to learn about bees, I feel I'm constantly talking and teaching um, because uh, there's just so much to say and inspecting a beehive together, for example, there's so much to see and in that moment and, and talk about. So yes, I, I do explain a lot. So what do you look for when someone shows you their yard and they want to raise bees? Like what would be some advice that you might give them or maybe suggest that maybe it be placed here or maybe a yard isn't big enough or what are your thoughts about that? Um, so when I started beekeeping, I had a beekeeper come over to my place and he looked at it and um, he said, um, well, those bees need a little bit more flowers. So what you need in your garden if you want to keep bees is food. So bees like nectar and pollen. So what is a good yard for bees is, is a garden that has lots of pollinator plants and also native pollinator plants and what's also very useful if you if you live in an area with a lot of sagebrush and rabbit brush those are also great pollen donators pollen is the other the second source of of um, nutrients that bees need so that is a good thing to look at but honestly even if your garden is a little bare bees have a range of uh, a radius of about two miles so even if your garden is a little bare in the beginning, those bees will just fly to your neighbor's orchards and find their nectar and pollen there. What are things that um, would make it maybe challenging to have bees? Like pets, is that a problem? Or um, proximity to neighboring businesses or might be something that would disqualify someone or maybe have the need to make some adjustments? So from the legal point of view, to my knowledge, there has been attempts from the legislator to reduce beekeeping in neighborhoods, um, but that has not been successful, luckily for us. Yes, if you have someone in your family, for example, who is highly allergic against um, bee stings, then I would um, advise against you having bees. Or if you live very, very close together, in a neighborhood that's very packed, you might just want to ask your neighbors before you get beehives. I know some beekeepers, though, in the middle of Reno who have a lot of hives just in their backyard in a very densely populated area. And as I said, these bees fly out for two miles uh, in, in a two-mile radius, so it kind of uh, it kind of thins out 
quite a bit. And pets, yes. So those beehives, they should not be disturbed. So you also should never walk in front of the entrance because that's where the bees fly in and out and can be very busy on a sunny day. So if you have pets like a dog who runs in front of the entrance or a little child, you have to be careful to keep them away from there. And then on the other hand, wildlife. I live in an area where we have some bears. So I also had a bear visiting a few years ago and eat an entire box of honey that I was too late to harvest. And so the bear won that race and got a great feed from there. So you always have to keep that in mind too. How much time do people need to spend to care for bees? Um, like if you are mentoring someone to eventually take um, over the care of the hives themselves, what do you commonly tell people it would take roughly? Per hive, I would say it is between the months of March and September. It can be around one to four hours per month work. Per hive. So it depends on in spring when the bees want to swarm, you might want to check weekly for swarm cells. So that is a little bit more intense time. Also, the honey harvest in midsummer or end of summer can be a little bit more time consuming and uh, a sticky business, though there, there will be honey everywhere and some bees will be around and so that, that is good to also have someone to help you there. And then it, it comes down the winter. In winter, the bees basically do not, do not need any care at all, almost. So if you want, you can do a little bit in winter. But between the time of, of March and September, I would say it's between one to four hours per month per hive. Okay. Okay. So... What are some other skills that you're helping teach people? I know we mentioned some of them already. Are you teaching these classes in the community or from your home or how um, how are you doing that? In summer, I teach at home. I offer yoga classes, mostly by word of mouth. I will have a website coming after Thanksgiving, um, tinylivingfarm.com, but mostly I teach uh, outside in summer yoga right by the river here in our garden. I also teach goat yoga there, which is yoga with little goats, which is quite funny and relaxing. What I used to in the past is a, a yoga garden project, which is a mixture of yoga and gardening for people who cannot afford to pay a yoga lesson, for example. So they have a chance to get their yoga lesson by helping me an hour in the garden and at the same time learning about gardening. And then right after we do one hour of yoga together. So that is one, one thing that I'm doing here, the yoga and the gardening. And then the classes that I offer. So I offer beekeeping nice. classes for people to learn how to take care of bees. I recently got uh, someone interested in um, learning how to care for goats. So I give classes in goat care, how to take care of goats, how to breed them, how to hold them, feed them, how to milk the moms. And also if people are interested, I can show them how to make yogurt and different kinds of cheeses that I make for my family here. I'm selling my soaps at the Great Basin Food Co-op under the name of Emu's Farm Soap. And everything that involves the garden. So I, I do permaculture gardening and whatever comes out of the garden, I can or try to ferment so I can help people learn about that too. Wow, it sounds like it's just such an amazing wide base of experience. Um, it's just, it's awesome. So some of the 
some of the, like you're doing homesteading and you're producing like a lot of your own food. Um, how are you able to grow quite a bit during the summer and then maybe put up some of that food for the, for the winter? Yes, so I grow a lot of nightshades, like tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, and I can them then for winter. So I'm trying to be kind of self-sustainable in that area. I've done also some meat production. We also have chickens, so I I do the eventual chicken or rooster. I also have rabbits, so there will also be some meat in, in that area. Nice. So, so you have a website that will be, um, that will be coming out soon. And what is that uh, website going to be again? The website name is tinylivingfarm.com. And so um, would those classes be kind of throughout the year or more during the warmer months? The beekeeping classes will be in the warmer months and also the yoga and Goat yoga will be um, between March and September or when the weather is good in winter too. Nice. And so um, I think you also mentioned that you have yurts. Is that where you hold yoga classes? We do have two yurts that are not very big, but they would be, uh, it would be possible to do yoga classes there in the winter as well for a smaller group of, let's say, like three to four students. Yes. Okay. And for people that don't know what a yurt is, can you explain what your yurt looks like? A yurt is a round living structure that originated, to my knowledge, in, in uh, Asia, in Mongolia, where people to this day, uh, if they live traditionally, still live in yurts. So those are round tents made out of a wooden structure. Um, ours are metal structure, but the structure holds then a, a fabric and is insulated. Uh, in the original setting, people in Mongolia have a fire in the middle of the yurt and the soot and um, smoke from that also like makes it waterproof from the inside. So it's a very old and very sustainable way of living. So we, we have two yurts here in the garden, yes. Oh, I, did, I never heard that before about the smoke um, making that water. Wow, really interesting. Well, wonderful. It sounds like just an amazing place. I'd love to visit, and I'm sure many people will want to visit as well. And yeah, so um, the other question I had is, how many do you have the capacity to take on a number of clients? Like if there's a number of people that would also like to maybe have a hive or two in their yard, are you able to maybe 25 to 50 more families or individuals do that if that's something they want to do? Yes, so I would, I would be up for that, yes. Okay, great. Because I know that it's, it's there's not very many people in the area that do that, so it's awesome to have um, have this resource that you know that you have this knowledge and you're willing to share this, and so it's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of that with us. It's um, wonderful just to hear someone locally living in such a sustainable and close to nature way that's yeah, very inspiring and interesting to to come and visit and see all the your gardens and all the cool things that you have going on so. <laughs> okay well thank you again i appreciate your taking the time to share that is there anything else that you'd like to share with us that might be helpful for people in the area that might be thinking about getting into homesteading that just haven't figured out where to start yet 
Yes, I think you can start in a very small space and um, you could even start if you don't have a garden, there are other ways that you could garden, for example, in raised beds on concrete, or there is a, the method of straw bale gardens where you take straw bales that you prepare with some dirt and water and some growing, um, some things to help grow. And you can have wonderful gardens on straw bales, for example, in a backyard that doesn't even have um, uncovered dirt area. So there are many ways of, of gardening for yourself. And if it's just something on your windowsill, uh, your kitchen herbs by, by the windowsill that you can grow yourself from seeds very easily. Nice, nice. And where did you, where did you study permaculture or did you like um, self-study or did you take a course through a teacher locally or? I mostly read several books from the library that are all available out there. Um, I learned a lot at the Edible Landscape Garden team at the Food Co-op, the Great Basin Food Co-op on Court Street in Reno. That's where I basically learned first hands-on and then best to learn is just doing it yourself, like observing, taking notes, um, realizing what you maybe did wrong the last year and what you can do better this season to um, yield a to have a higher yield of crops and learning by doing is the best, I think. Nice. And the Northern Nevada Beekeepers Association, is that open to um, other people that might want to start beekeeping as well? Yes, um, it is open to any people who want to join. There is a membership fee of $25 a year. And we also have a great mentorship program uh, where you can get a mentor that helps you to set up your own hive and uh, help you get those bees through the seasons. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for all of your work and being such a wonderful resource to everyone in the area and taking the time to share that with us. Yes. Thank you. If you would like to contact Emanuela for her services, classes, or products before the Tiny Living Farm website is complete, then please direct message her at her Instagram page at Tiny Living Farm or call her at 512-921-1567. When the website is complete, we will update the show notes to include additional ways to reach out and learn more. For details and links mentioned in today's episode, please check out the show notes. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe at gogreenlocally.org to receive local green event monthly emails to help you stay informed about events going on in your area.